comfortable position on the bed. He climbed in behind her massive body, pulled her dress off, and massaged her cramping back and belly. Mora had not given birth before, and without the advice of a midwife, she followed her instinct. My da, having witnessed many animal births, helped prepare my mother by massaging oils around her delicate tissue so that she wouldn't tear. When she felt the urge to push, Da rearranged himself in front of her belly, and together, with four loving hands entwined, I was brought gently into the world. A girl! Da exclaimed, out of breath, worry etching itself across his brow in deep furrows. The seconds ticked by, and I hadn't mustered a cry. My airways were clogged with birthing matter and mucus, and my skin was turning blue. Da resuscitated me by putting his large mouth across my small nose and lips and sucking deeply. Suck, spit, repeat. He did this several times to no avail. Finally, he held me upside down and whacked my back. On cue, I wailed, no longer safe in the warm confines of my mother's womb. The year was 1850, and I was blessed and named Tabitha Colleen Salt. Tabitha was my name alone, but Colleen was a tribute to my paternal grandmother, whose blessing and purse made it possible for us to be on American land, farming our small plot of acreage in Westchester, New York. Salt our surname, was assumed and passed down by our great-great-grandfather, who worked in the salt mines of Northern Ireland near Carrickfergus. The story goes that Grandfather Salt lived to a ripe age of 107, his longevity, he claimed, due to the healing properties of the mineral. Chapter 1. City Life, 1860 my head was itchy, particularly on the base of my skull and behind both ears. My fingernails had dried blood under them from the scabs I scratched open sometime during the night. Mama was clawing at her skin too, not just on her head, but also on her woman parts. One time I saw her woman parts when she climbed out from our wash basin and reached for a towel. I didn't mean to look, but was curious and surprised to see a little puff of hair down there, too. No, she was itching that place a lot. The school teacher called it lice. Tabitha Salt, Miss Marianne, pulled me aside one morning. You may not be present in school until your head lice are gone. They are highly contagious, and with all of your itching, you are disrupting the other students. You can hardly sit still. When I told my mamma why I was sent home, she cried softly into her hands before pulling me in for a hug. All right, then. We'll get rid of the lice at once and get you back into school, she said, with a conquering nod of her head and faraway gleam in her eyes. If there was one thing my mamma was determined about, it was that I receive a proper education. She and my da 
didn't risk their lives on board the Emma Prescott in 1847, only to die from starvation or stupidity once on solid ground. Together, they sailed from their beloved Galway toward religious freedom and a brighter future in America, where they believed education was the key to a better life. The lice came in on one of the shirts we laundered, which was not unusual given that our clientele included manky sailors and dockhands. The critters attached themselves to our hair and got into our bedsheets. They bit us repeatedly and feasted on our scaly, dry skin before laying eggs. The nits were barely visible, so you couldn't pick them off or swat them away like a pesky fly. We had no choice but to cut our hair and bathe with harsh lye soap. We also had to wash our sheets and clothes in scalding water.